If you would turn in your scriptures to Romans chapter 3, the book of Romans chapter 3, I'm going to read from verse 21 down to the end of the chapter. I'm going to read from verse 21 down to the end of the chapter. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By the law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Father, as we come to this text before us, we pray that you would bless us in the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us understanding, great praise, and wonder at your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the neighbors are invited. For a few years, Charlene and I organized a block party on the street that we lived on in Sarnia. The city would come and they would close the street and all the neighbors were invited outside our home. And we had barbecues going and kids games and lawn chairs and conversation and prizes. It was all a good time. Some neighbors would never come. They would peek at us behind their blinds. You couldn't pry them out of their houses, and it was such a beautiful day. Now, Paul has shown already in the book of Romans that we all live on the same street spiritually, that we are all the same before our God. We are sinners. We are fallen in need of a Savior. The pagan Gentile who has creation testifying to him is without excuse. The Gentile moralizer, though even in the church and who has the Ten Commandments written on his heart, is without excuse. The Jewish teacher in the church 
who has the Ten Commandments and is circumcised is without excuse. Notice verse 23 here as he restates, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. There is no distinction, he says. No difference. We are all accountable to God and we all face a just judgment from God. We are all guilty. Each of us has broken the commandments of God. If we could be saved by the Ten Commandments, we would need to keep them perfectly. But we have not, nor can we, keep the law perfectly. The law then reveals our sinfulness. It shows our guilt, and it condemns us as sinners. The Bible says, well, David writes, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Do you know your transgressions? He says, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. He's speaking about the fallen nature of humanity. And he says, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? The answer is no one could stand. All is doom and gloom. And it would be a thunderous, rainy, dreary day in the neighborhood unless God rescues us, unless God saves us, unless God provides for us. And he has. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Three metaphors are offered to us in our text to help us comprehend the wonderful totality of our salvation. The amazing comprehensiveness of the salvation of God that he has provided the human race. The first metaphor is a legal metaphor. We find it in verse 24. And we are justified by his grace as a gift. The word there, justification, is a legal term. Justified by his grace. Literally, it means we are acquitted. We are made right, though we are wrong. It's a, a legal term in God's court. And we are all familiar with courtroom dramas and the legal process where a defendant is found either guilty or innocent. In God's court, we are guilty. That is established. The, our guilt is undeniable. So then how are we to be made right when we are wrong? How are we to be made straight when we are crooked? Well, he tells us because of the grace of God. Grace. By his grace, we are made right. We are justified. We are acquitted. His unmerited favor. We're declared to be innocent by him. And this declaration of our innocence is a consequence of his grace unmerited favor, he says. We are justified 
by his grace. And it's a gift, he says, as a gift. That means it's not earned by us. It's not earned. It's freely given by God. How could we earn innocence when we are guilty? It's impossible. And this is a beautiful thing. A gift of salvation to be received by us. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them he gave the power to be called sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. Why would you not want to be declared not want to be declared to be innocent when you are guilty? Well, the second metaphor that he offers to us is a metaphor of slavery. Look at verse 24. He says, um, whom, uh, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That word redemption is full of meaning to the Gentile Romans. It is a word that draws their minds towards the, uh, the, the pervasive slavery that was going on in the empire of Rome. A large proportion of the people in the Roman capital were slaves. And most likely a, a lot of the Christians who were meeting in the house churches were slaves. The word redemption here was a word that was familiar to them. It's a secular word in the Greek. And it referred to the slave markets. The slave markets of Rome were as common as Tim Hortons are to us. They were everywhere. Uh, when a slave was brought up to stand there in front of all and bids would be made on their price, the slave was always hopeful, was wondering, would there be someone there who might pay their redemption price? Would there be someone there who cared about them and pay the redemption price which would set them free? Someone who was willing to part with some treasure. Someone who was willing to lay down the price of their freedom, no matter the cost. That is the word here for redemption. It is that amount put down for the freedom for the slave. I mean, slavery was such a difficult life in Rome. And, and there was a yearning for freedom. Your owner could dispose of you as they saw fit. They could order you. You were their property. Your life was not your own. I mean, we get such a tiny little sense of what that means now in our lockdowns, don't we? where our life is not our own. We are confined and we can't do this and we can't do that and we can't go there and we must stay here. How much more the slavery where you existed to serve the life of your owner and even to try and escape typically meant 
death. Now, if you tell a person that they are a slave today, you may well offend them. (laughs) The slavery word, the slavery is a word the scripture uses to, to describe the predicament of mankind, of the human race. That we are a slave owned by sin. Sin is our master. Sin is the chains that bind us. Jesus said this, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That's our predicament. Slaves to sin. Peter writes, a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. And sin has mastered us. But perhaps, perhaps there is someone, someone who might pay our redemption price. Someone who cares about us. Someone who was willing to part with treasure for us. Someone who will lay down the price of our freedom, no matter the cost. And we are told the answer here in our text There is someone, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Wow, that's beautiful. The price can only be paid by someone who himself is not a slave to sin, who is innocent as Jesus was innocent, and who is willing to lay down the treasure required. He laid down himself and his own life, his own blood. And so the scripture says in the book of Ephesians, in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. He is the treasure that was laid down to buy us and buy our freedom from sin. Peter says, you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. That's not the price, he says, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. How precious the treasure that was laid down for us. We are set free because he paid the price of his own life. Released to the captives. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the lamb. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. We are made right by Jesus. Acquitted of guilt. And secondly, we are freed by Jesus. The price of our slavery, our freedom from slavery, has been paid by Christ himself. And then we have the third metaphor, which is a sacrificial metaphor. He says in verse 25, whom God, that is Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. 
Now, this word propitiation is uh, uh, challenging in our language today, not typically understood. Sometimes a translation will say just the word sacrifice. Sometimes it might say atonement. <laughs> you know, it's Mother's Day and we're familiar with a mother's sacrifice. No matter if you had a great mother or a not so great mother, she did give nine months to carry you and nurture you in the womb and, and to feed you and clothe you and keep you safe when you were oh so dependent. Here the word for sacrifice or propitiation well, the Romans, again, were very familiar with this word because it was part of their religious language and their idolatry and all of their deities and their many, many temples. They would use this word as a word that meant to make peace with their deity, that their deity was angry with them, and so they would seek to make peace with him. Paul picks up the word and he uses it unlike any Roman had ever heard before. He uses it completely differently. Yes, God is justly angry at sin. He's wrathful against sin. But he himself, God, is the one who satisfies his own wrath. He is both the one who requires a sacrifice and he is the one who makes the sacrifice and he is the one who is the sacrifice. He is the offering and he is the one who offers. And this is completely new and this is beautiful and this is wonderful. Uh, this is how God's justice and his love are are resolved. The human race just thinks of, of the wrath of God, but they could never come up with the truth that God satisfies his own wrath. He gave his son to die for us. And his wrath and his mercy are wonderfully and beautifully expressed at the cross of Jesus Christ where he shed his blood for us. And so verse 26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He is both. He's wrathful against sin, but he also has paid the price for sin. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And it is received by faith, his sacrifice. Notice verse 25. He says, by his blood to be received by faith. You see, it's a gift, he tells us. We receive by faith. We don't work for it. We can't do anything for it. We believe, we trust in his sacrifice, in him alone. You see, he tells us the law is righteous, but we can't keep it. And so the righteousness of the law condemns us as sinners. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God 
has been manifest, that is, has appeared apart from the law. He's speaking of Jesus Christ, has appeared. His wrath against sin and his love for us is a righteous thing. He makes us right. He buys us from slavery to sin and sets us free. And he makes and receives the sacrifice required for sin. And it's all him all the time. He does it all. The totality and the comprehensiveness of his goodness to us. It's all him. It's not us. And that's underlined again in verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. We've got nothing to boast about. We haven't contributed. By what kind of law? By the law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified or made right by faith, apart from works of the law. Oh, by faith. And he says in verse 30, God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith, that's the Jew, and the uncircumcised through faith, that's the Gentile. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means, on the contrary, we uphold the law, all satisfied in Jesus Christ. We can't save ourselves, and yet all may be saved if you receive his gift of salvation, if you Respond in faith in the work of God for you. It's not us. Ezekiel says these words, the prophet, as the Lord spoke, he said, Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked? And not rather that he should turn from his way and live? God desires that every Every human being recognize their sinfulness and their inability to satisfy the demands of the Ten Commandments. And so then receive what he offers to you, what he's done for you, his salvation. It's a gift for you. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, says the scriptures. We can't save ourselves, and yet may all may be saved if, if they respond in faith. You know, the message of the gospel, the good news of salvation, is for the whole neighborhood of mankind. We are all invited into a relationship with God together. And it's a wonderful, beautiful day in the neighborhood. But still, there are some hiding behind the curtains. There are some peering through the blinds. You're invited, but you're unsure. You are invited to the party, but you're reluctant. You are choosing to stay behind your door, dark and dim. Won't you come out? Don't stay inside. Don't remain wrong 
in your spirit. Don't remain captive and enslaved to your sins. Don't remain facing the judgment of God. Christ Jesus is the one you need as your Savior and as your Lord. He's the one who calls you to come out. And he is the one you're hiding from most of all. But, but if you long to step outside, if you long to be forgiven, to join with those who are in the light, to join with those who are set right by God, who are set free by God, who are not under any condemnation, for God has forgiven them in Christ Jesus. Well, you may step out in faith in the Lord Jesus. The good news of Christianity calls you forth and says, sinner, repent. Come forth to life. Come forth to forgiveness. Come forth to cleansing from your sins. Come forth to new life and resurrection life. He has done it all for you. It's such a wonderful, beautiful day in the neighborhood. The greatest love that has ever been expressed in the entire universe. Christ given for us to be made right, to be set free, and to be welcome before God. The scripture, well, Jesus says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said, these are the true words of God. Would you bow in prayer? Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for your word to us. We pray for those who are listening today. Oh, Lord, they might be in their homes and behind their blinds, and you call them forth. You call them out to faith in Jesus Christ, to forgiveness for their sins, that they can't earn, they can't do enough. How, oh, Lord, that you have done it all. That you gave your son as a sacrifice for our sins. We thank you that it's a beautiful day for all who walk in Jesus Christ. For all who share in the salvation freely given as a gift. We pray, Lord, that you would knit our hearts together. Give us courage in these days and that we even this week might delight and take great joy and peace in all that you have done through Christ and that we would truly marvel and see the beauty and awesomeness of the gospel of Jesus. So we thank you. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.